0: See a more egotistical nothing in your life. Why? <laughs> Come on. Now, now we're, we're now on the air. And uh, let's be fair to those poor, sad, suffering souls out there in the darkness who do not know what a fantastic scene of Bacchanalian orgy they're missing. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I just can't tell you what's going on here tonight. This is probably the first time since early Roman days that something like that has broken out in a major city in America. It's disgusting. Wouldn't it be great if we really did have a scene like that? Can you imagine, you know, everybody sitting out there? I've often wondered what would happen if what we really secretly would like to see on television actually showed up one night Coast to
1: coast.
0: <laughs> if for example, you know, when when Ed Sullivan comes out, you know, on the bank ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta and he says, folks, tonight we got a really big shoe for you. Tonight, a really big shoe. And the curtain opens and you see the audience writhing in fantastic contortions. Nubian <laughs> handmaidens are moving up and down the aisle with gigantic boars' heads. <laughs> Somebody leaps out of the crowd wearing a toga. He says, There'll be more in just a minute, but first the Yale marching band. (laughs) No, seriously, have you ever thought, though, what you'd really like to see on television? I'll never forget the time. You know, you think you think you know, you know, you think you say, Well, I could handle it. Well, one time I'm doing a TV show. Out in a great Midwestern city, which for the purposes of argument, we'll call Cincinnati. This is uh, no such city that's a ridiculous name They would have a town like that, silly name. That's a pen name, actually. And I am working in Cincinnati, and every night I'd come on about 1 o'clock in the morning. Well, now, they, this was in the early days of late, late movies. And I followed every night a movie called... White Pongo. Have you ever seen it, it, Have you ever heard of a movie called White Pongo? It goes on for seven hours.
1: <laughs> it's shot
0: underwater, and they use that peculiar English film with the holes in it, and there's a guy who goes through all 4,000 reels wearing a white gorilla suit. He goes, <laughs> He's walking around all the time, and you see the the plastic jungle behind him. And it goes on in between in between his his attacks on the white slave goddess. They come on with preparation H commercials.
1: <laughs>
0: and uh <laughs> look, I didn't invent it. Don't look at me like that. And then once the one Mister Clean shows up, you know, have you noticed how Mister Clean has changed? Remember the old days when Mister Clean looked like kind of. General Eisenhower in
1: tights, (laughs) you know,
0: he did, he kind of had a nice smile, and he was always talking to little old ladies, scrub ladies, you remember that kind, the little old ladies that said, wait,
1: heaven's sakes, you look like yours on TV,
0: (laughs) he walks out, now the new Mr. Clean, have you seen him lately? They only show him from about here up, his eyebrows are narrow and slanted. His eyes are jade green, and he shows up with a gigantic, he goes, here's Mr. Clean, and who do you see? You see three James Bond-type chicks, (laughs) and they all go,
1: that
0: ain't soap they're yelling about. You know, they all go, (laughs) what are you applauding, gang? (laughs) Wishful thinking, you know. (laughs) The whole world is full of wishful thinkers. Has it ever occurred to you that James Bond, the big secret of James Bond, is that he is a male Helen Trent? He <laughs> really is. I'm serious about that. You see, there's been a great role reversal in our country. And back in the 1930s, it was the housewife who stayed home with the kids And she stayed home and she worked down in the basement with those automatic washers and she spent her time with the ironing board and all day long out of the radio would come the story of Helen Trent, who proved that life could be beautiful. Even if you're 35 years old, decrepit and defeated, life could be beautiful and you could go from one unbelievable romance after the other. And she was always pursued by gangsters. There was always warm runners showing up in the town of Little Vale, where she lived, you know. <laughs> taking over her upstairs bedroom. And she was always getting amnesia, getting hit on the head and all of a sudden. And this old gal standing there, you know, with her with her iron going, she says, Yeah. If only I hadn't married that slob. If only I hadn't married Charlie. I could have married England's richest lord. I could have been married to Larry Noble. I could have been backstage wife. <laughs> and then she puts the laundry into the machine and walks sweats. It's all changed. The housewife today is working at BBDNO.
1: <laughs>
0: and she is making a scene, big, high, wide, and handsome. And back out in Darien, there is a hunched figure who's carrying the wash down... As a matter of fact, you think I'm kidding. Uh, Have you watched those commercials? Have you noticed that the commercials for soap, there are thousands of commercials showing Wally Cox type guys (laughs) talking about what soap they use on wash day. And they're always down with a little thing, you know. (laughs) That poor little pitiful arm, you know. And he is usually explaining washing down in the basement to a large lady who looks a little like this. (laughs) And she said, what do you mean, Wash Day Miracle? Yes, it's yes, Wash Day Miracle. Yes, I use it all the time. I never use blueing either. What do you mean you never use blowing? And this big chick, she's got a leather pants on, you know, <laughs> thin mustache, you know. She says, I don't know about that. And she walks out. She said, well, it does work, you know.
1: <laughs>
0: well, on the other hand, the other type of commercial, it used to be a male commercial, you see, is the commercial for the cars. You remember when men bought cars? (laughs) Oh, those were the days. I remember my old man was the greatest tire kicker in Indiana. He'd walk around, and if my mother ever once said, I don't like the differential in the Huffmobile, she would suddenly find her girdle around her ears. It would never have occurred to her, but now, you know, you see these commercials and it says, you hear this voice comes on and it says, yes, the new racing rear end, Day Dion, 847 power, horsepower, double hemispheric. And it's talking chicks. And you see this girl getting into the Pontiac, the wide track Pontiac, you see? And it says, put a tiger in your car. Blah! A tiger comes up. And this chick gets in. thrives through the night not a male in sight have you noticed how many of those commercials don't even show men at all it's no wonder that James Bond has become the masculine Helen Trent (laughs) oh yes everywhere you look little thin guys with big thick glasses are reading about Bond Bond is in Marrakesh he's in Algiers he's fighting the fantastic forces of evil And this is on all sides of us. Well, who tonight is willing to give a cheer for... Oh, by the way, another thing. (laughs) Reminds me, you know. (laughs) You know, speaking of that, I'll never forget the time... My father, you know, you talk about buying cars. This is a genuinely male experience, or it used to be. I remember the time my father the first time the big change came in our house my old man used to get the new car itch about every two years it was like some kind of a sickness Now, oh, by the way man how many of you know that sickness you know that sickness that each car you get all of a sudden after you get it you want another one you see Five minutes after you buy this thing, you drive by something goes past you. The so, holy smokes! Smoke. All of a sudden, this is a rotten thing. It's made out of cardboard. That's the way men used to be with women.
1: <laughs>
0: you know, now there's an insatiable hunger to own all, all the cars in the world. Just like Thomas Wolfe, you know, Eugene Gant look homeward angel he came stalking out of North Carolina with the hunger the look in the eye that hunger to see everybody's face and to know and somehow pursue down the dark alley of existence every beautiful chick in the world well I predict within a short time somebody will bring out a novel where the hero has a fantastic love affair with a Ford Lotus. (laughs) And it will open up with him going past the showroom, see, and he meets this Lotus. Or Jaguar, X-K-E, if you prefer that. There's that X-K-E, see. He walks past the window, and suddenly behind him comes on the music that we used to relate to Ingmar. Remember when Ingrid Bergman would meet Charles Boyer. Bum, 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 bum. It's love. And the first chapter ends. Charles walked into the showroom. His vitals quivering. An excitement rising in his veins. L. Murgatroyd Watson, a salesman of the Jaguar agency, moved forward Their hands touched. End of chapter. Bum, 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 bum. The next chapter opens, you see. It says, Charles drove his XKE into a parking lot. Opened the door after he could get the catch unhooked. (laughs) Tore his pants on the seat on the way out walked past the car briefly and noted that a kid in the previous parking lot had written an interesting four-letter word in the dust on the back of and a large aide, Airedale, had visited the trunk.
1: <laughs>
0: he walks out and then bum, 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 bum. He sees his first Mustang 350 GTXO slash 748 Grand Prix. <laughs> He will be the first ginger man of the car world. And, of course, all the way down the line, we have, to, we have to believe that he's a cad. He's a rotter for not sticking with that lovely XKE that gave him so much of her early life. Well, my father was the first of the new kind of men, and one of the very few crises That I ever, a genuine crisis, you know the kind of crisis they have in the Virginia Woolf thing? Have you ever seen, have you ever seen that kind of life really? Or is that imaginary? How many of you have seen Virginia Woolf? Where the people for four hours walk around that stage, drink, pace back and forth, and yell at each other. And not only that, I know what you're up to, baby. Yeah, don't think you can fool me. And then she says, Yes, yeah, so and not only that, you think you can fool me. And it's all about emasculation. I mean, stuff like I never hear anybody argue about that kind
1: of stuff. <laughs> not in real life. <laughs> never, you know.
0: I think the real problems, the fantastic disintegration of marriage, the disintegration of all the little things that go to make up human relationships come about over such things as beaded lampshades. Listen, I want to tell you I never saw a fight in my life like the fantastic Cretron slipcover fight that became legendary in our house Legendary I'm about 8 years old, see (laughs) You know, just at that tender age I'm like a little clan in this little clam shell and the shell has just been opened just lying there quivering waiting for the sauce a little touch of horseradish maybe (laughs) waiting for that great big old tooth to go that is by the way life (laughs) you know you, you ever had that terrible feeling when you get clams on the half shell and you dip them down into that red sauce did you ever have a, a, a vague suspicion when you're in a little restaurant and it's a very quiet one and the air conditioning is not even making any noise and you dip it down into that red sauce, you hear that little thing go, ah! <laughs> you
1: know, you know,
0: you, know, you put it in your mouth, you say, ah, oh, let take that. Oh, we're awful. We're really carnivores, you know. Well... This, this is the kind of thing you are when you're about eight, you know. You're just stewing around your own juice. you got that little cocoon, you know, of kiddom around you. And you're beginning to bust out of it. I'm about eight years old, see. My kid brother is six. And for those of you who are women, I must say something. Well, I include anybody here who happens to be, you know. I'm, There's no, there's absolutely no discrimination down here at the limelight. We've got three of them back there. (laughs) You'll find it out later. (laughs) George, just look around. But nevertheless, (laughs) you know, one thing that women don't know, they can't possibly know, and that's that interesting relationship that exists between two brothers One is two years or so younger than the other. Now, I know all the chicks are going to say, Oh, well, I know. I've got a sister. Ah, it's different. Oh, very different. Let me tell you, there are some rivalries that develop between brothers that you can't possibly understand unless you've been one. I'll never forget the first time my kid brother, he's always my kid brother, you know, and we're playing ball every day. And I'm the big brother. (laughs) I'll never forget the day I come sliding into second base. And this guy falls down. He gets up and takes a swing at me. I jump up. You know, I'm like this. I'm ready to go. And suddenly this form leans up over me. Says, nobody's going to hit my brother. Pow!
1: (laughs) It's my kid brother, you know.
0: Oh, boy. That moment hate began. Oh, of a very special kind. Well, see, we're, we're we're about we're two years apart, and I'm I'm eight years old, and my kid brother is six. And up to this time, he has spent most of his time under the day bed. <laughs> whimpering. You know,
1: you'd hear him what's the I'd know he's
0: home. You know, I'd come home and
1: eee, eee.
0: hear that little sound squeaking under there. See? that's my kid brother. And of course I spent most of my time in the icebox. <laughs> how many of you remember as a kid sneaking out of your of your bedroom and sneaking into the kitchen and opening up the refrigerator? Yes, refrigerator.
1: <laughs>
0: yes, I don't know how old you are, dad, but we have a refrigerator. <laughs> Open up that refrigerator, and you open it up, you see, and, and you just, you, you're going to steal something. You know that, you know. You open it up, you, the light goes on, you know. boom, all over the room. You try to open it up without the light going on. You, you get it halfway open, and all of a sudden, blah, 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 all of it goes on the floor. Just like putting it back up, and you can hear the bed squeaking in the next room. Well, look, we, by the way, I've often wondered about refrigerators. One of the most exciting human experiences is looking in somebody else's refrigerator. <laughs> you know, just looking in them. It smells funny. There's a certain rottenness in their refrigerator. <laughs> you know, you, you, old hamburgers are stuff way in the back there with a bite taken out of them. By the way, one of the first refrigerators you talk about refrigerators my grandmother got a refrigerator and it was given to her by all of the sisters the the, the, the daughters you know they all decided to give grandmother their mother a big gift and they got her a refrigerator. and it was a fantastic moment in our household, in our life. Everybody talked for weeks. Have you ever seen a family argue, over whether or not grandmother should have a hot point or a G.E. Because they're all thinking when the old gal dies, they're going to get it. (laughs) They got their own little bit going, you know, down there. Poor old grandmother, you know, she eats one little bowl of Jello a week, you
1: know.
0: (laughs) You know, that kind of scene. And they'll say, no, it's got to be a 45 cubic foot. Get her a big one. Big ice cube thing, you know. Well, they installed this refrigerator in her house and it was the kind that had the big thing on the top had a big round thing on the top and every time it would go on the floor would shake (laughs) the refrigerator would (laughs) go and it hurt my grandmother's teeth
1: (laughs) oh terrible,
0: yeah I'll never forget the time they gave grandmother a a, a radio (laughs) And for the first time in her life, she heard Bing Crosby, and she was sick. <laughs> well, this refrigerator had one interesting thing about it. I used to go there as a kid with my brother, and one of the biggest, really unbelievable, kind of a, a fantasy sort of, oh, uh, luxury, was ice cubes in water. We ice cubes. Up to this time, you know, people chop ice off, you know. This has got ice cubes, but it tasted, how many of you remember the taste of ice cubes? They taste a little like tennis shoes.
1: <laughs>
0: and, yeah, you know, the kind of ice cube taste, and we would drink the water, it was very cold, but it tasted like ice, you know, kind of like, like ice tennis shoes, a little bit like all-state inner tubes. <laughs> And my grandmother would say, She's very nice. She just loved her refrigerators. She would say, That's very nice. Well, it got so. If you were really an ice water fan, you could tell what kind of refrigerator the ice cubes came from. Sure, a guy could say, mm, Yeah, it's a 36 hot point, model B. Good year. <laughs> just like wine drinking, you know, the whole scene. Well, the big Creton seat cover fight. What's the matter? Is there a Creton salesman in the crowd here? The big Creton fight came about as the result of a true family situation. We had home-type furniture. Now have you noticed in TV commercials, you watch those commercials where people are drinking the beer, they're yelling, they're running around? Have you ever have you ever once seen a movie where people have real furniture in their house with the springs sticking out, you know, <laughs> and the dog has been living on it for four years, you know, and you know what dogs do, you know, and and the well, you know the kind of real life furniture, you know, and the, the the linoleum is all worn; it's got cracks all up and down it, you know, and and always in in every in every house there's a chair. This is the chair that's in the living room that is called the easy chair. And it looks like the most fantastically obscene Freudian symbol. All busted and sprung, you know, its laying there, arms hanging out like this, you know. Well, that's the kind of house we had, see. Oh, yeah, you know, you'd come in there and you'd slam the door and three, three chairs would go down all over the house. That kind of thing. We had, about, we had about five different pieces of furniture that nobody could sit on unless you sat right on the edge, you know, this kind of thing. You'd sit like this. And that was the stuff that we used when company came. Each kid would be given a chair to sit on the edge of. Well, you never see this kind of realism in real life in the movies and TV. Well, one day, my mother came home from a PTA I'm gonna tell you, I think the PTA is a basically subversive organization. I mean, subversive in the real way. I mean, I don't, all this political ideology, that's greasy kid stuff. I'm saying the PTA puts little wedges between people. And at the PTA that time, for the first time in my mother's life, she ran face to face with somebody called a decorator up to this time you know whenever we you know whenever there was a a real emergency we would go down to the WT grant or is it JL grant or whatever we would go down to JC Penney's and buy ourselves a coffee table balsa wood (laughs) (laughs) still that kind shaped like an Indian head or something you know oh we had great taste in our neighborhood oh yeah We, we had, we had a... When you think of some of the furniture you grew up with, no wonder we're twisted, you know. <laughs> Terrible. How are you going to explain to an analyst, let me tell you, doctor, I remember that coffee table to come in the house. It was a traumatic experience, you see. It was shaped like the Empire State Building. i had little wheels on it it said, Souvenir of Mammoth Cave, Kentucky, doctor. And... <laughs> Well, that's the kind of stuff we grew up in, you know. And, and oh, another thing that my mother—my mother went real great for—was something called ecru curtains, lace curtains, and they would hang down. And you know that smell? You know, as you, as you every kid remembers, you know, standing looking out of the window with the curtain hanging. and <laughs> saying... And there's a vague mother dust echo curtain, middle of the afternoon smell. You know what I mean. Well, these are all the subtle little traumatic experiences that hardly anybody discusses. Like the other day, I walk into a house, rich people, and I smell echo curtains. And immediately I hear voices of people yelling about creton seat covers. One day, my mother came home after an afternoon at the PTA, and she was all excited. You know, it's funny, when you go out to the Midwest, the people out there got nothing to do at all. Are you aware that most people in this country just walk around? They look at cars going past on their way to the coast. One goes to New York, another one goes to California, and you watch. Circleville, Ohio, at this minute, is replete with thousands of guys standing in front of the drugstore with their copy of Playboy stuck in their pocket. <laughs> that center fold out you know one of the great illusions of the center fold out comes from that. Every guy out in Indianapolis who waits Like the coming of, like the apocalyptic second coming. Every week he waits until finally he sees the mailman walk up with the June issue. He says, Come on, come on, baby, come on. (laughs) And he says, Here it is, Jack. And he opens this thing up and he rips it out and. (laughs) Great Scott! Miss June has even topped Miss May. (laughs) Well, now what's the illusion about that? He imagines that these chicks are somewhere else. He imagines that in some great playboy world, off over the horizon, that is where Miss July is, forever looking out of a shower, you know, that look, you know, big, wow, you know, she's looking out. (laughs) Yeah, you've seen Miss July, you know, it says, Sandy, Sandy. Miss July, Sandy Sandy, our Miss July for this month is a real wowser. She is studying slum slum clearance at NYU. (laughs) 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 He's going to brazen it out. (laughs) He just went in the wrong John. I told you about hecklers gang (laughs) but now he's plotting he's trying to think of something else to say wait till he comes out (laughs) maybe he won't come out (laughs) speaking of plots what radio station is this gang? Uh,
1: that's
0: right gang well My mother comes home from the PTA, and she is humming. She has seen the other world. Now, you know, we here in New York City, we don't often realize that it's all here. You walk down Fifth Avenue, and for mile after mile, you see Tiffany's. You see these fantastic fashion shops. Can you imagine the only big thing they've got in Versailles, Indiana? is a sub-agency of Montgomery Ward (laughs) and they only take mail
1: orders
0: (laughs) All you can go down and uh, you can just do nothing on Saturday except go down and look at the order blanks. that's called exciting shopping out there and so my mother goes to the PTA by the way remind me to tell you a story about the only time I performed for a PTA (laughs) when I was in fifth grade, Miss Robinette got me to stand up in front of the PTA and play on my tuba (laughs) over the waves. (laughs) That has forever and ever, by the way, this is not the kind of traumatic experience the Tennessee Williams heroes have, is it? Well, my mother comes home, (laughs) my mother comes home and she's got the pure light of the lady who's going to change it all. And I'm standing around the kitchen, you know, eating a hamburger. You know how kids eating the cookies. By the way, I was a great animal cracker man. How many of you, even to this day, feel a little worried when you pass through supermarkets and you pass you pass the animal cracker department and you don't stop? <laughs> don't you feel an urge to go over and grab some and take them home? Can you imagine some guy up at the Four Seasons? He's secretly eating animal crackers. (laughs) You can't ever imagine LBJ, you know. A seven-year-old LBJ with his little box of animal crackers. And he says, Ma, I don't want to eat the camel. (laughs) Well, (laughs) oh yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, there's all kinds of little things like that. How many of you ever have gotten a, a a little candy shaped like a person? Have you ever had juju babies? And, and, and you hold this in your hand, see, and you look at it, and then you bite its head
1: off.
0: <laughs> Don't come and tell me that children are pure little spirits, I'll tell you.
1: <laughs>
0: you they eat those juju babies, you know, and they were the most popular kind of candy. you stuff them in your mouth. Yeah, and you see, this is Aunt Aunt Clary. Oh, yeah, the imagination. I used to lie on the on the on the on the floor in the in the in the living room, and I had a pop gun. How many males ever had a little pop gun? The kind you shoot, you know, and it goes pop. Little cork flies up. And I used to lie behind the sofa, and, and pop a thing. See, pop like that. And each thing I, I I say now, watch now. See, I'm going to hit the chair. I'm going to hit the leg of the chair, the left leg. That's Aunt Min. <laughs> <laughs> and you see these little images like that, and by, that that leads to other uh, conjectures here. <laughs> I remember one night sitting in my father's car. And I have borrowed it the first two or three times, you know, when you borrow a car, your old man's car, it's like your father is sitting in the back seat. He's not sitting in the back seat. he's sitting in the front seat, and you're driving this car, and somebody hit me in the back end, smack the back end, and I'm about 15 years old, and he tears off down the street and leaves me, and it's raining. The back bumper is pushed in. The trunk is bent up. Take it out and look at this. What am I going to say? What am I going to say? Do girls have this problem? Oh, I don't think so, no. Oh, no, no. Yeah, they all think they do. But a father's relationship to his son is different from his relationship to his daughter. Daughters do bash fenders But the same thing doesn't happen. I drove up the driveway, I've got nothing but gelatin, I've got Jell-O, I've got goldfish swimming around in there, I've got little things with claws, and I see the kitchen light is on. Then there's the decision, do you tell them, or do you just put it in the garage? You know, that seems... Already, good and evil are fighting it out, you know. I drive it up, and I put the... I, I throw the garage, and I put the garage doors together. You know, I had these big two double doors, and I pull them, and look. Boy, you could see that Buick grill. We had a Pontiac. And I'm looking at the back of the car. I see a Buick grill all stamped in there, you know. It's all over the thing, you know. Oh, gee I close the doors and it's raining. I walk up the back steps and the kitchen light is lit. And sitting at the kitchen table is guess who? <laughs> he's, got his, he's got nothing but his underwear on. You know? <laughs> Have you noticed in movies and in TV shows they never show fathers in their underwear? One of the great moments of my life came when I was picking up a chick. The first time I ever picked her up, I went to the house big double date. I walked in, and there is the father in his BBDs. <laughs> he's got a big pot hanging out. He walks out. He says, hi, hi, kid. And the chick goes, oh, no. You know, oh, he walks along, and the back end is open, you know.
1: <laughs> he walks
0: right through the house.
1: <laughs>
0: well, there, there's my old man. See, he's sitting at the table. And he's reading the sport page. He's wearing his jockey shorts, you know, sitting there like that. I walk in, and all of a sudden, for the first time in years, I love my father. (laughs) Oh, look at good old dad. Oh, gee, was that? You don't realize. He says, hi. Continues to read. I go over to the refrigerator. I open it up. I look in the light bulb goes on and the light bulb like all third degree bulbs says murderer (laughs) you killed the Pontiac (laughs) wait till headquarters hears it is I you know I take the milk But incidentally that's another thing they never show kids drinking milk the way kids drink milk You know, um, 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 know, it's running down. um, um. (laughs) And instantly, as soon as the refrigerator door opens, like a tick, my mother in the John says, Don't drink out of the bottle. Um, 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 You You pig. (laughs) Now how do you like that? What if somebody else comes after you and catches what you've got? Hey, have you ever, as a kid, ever thought you had a fantastic, incurable disease that you couldn't tell anybody about? You got a bunch of little pimples on your chest, you know? And you had read an article in some little magazine that guys were handing around, you know? And the next thing you know, you're saying, I got it. Where did it happen? It must have been the time when I drank out of that... I know what it was. Esther Jane drank out of that faucet. I drank out of that faucet. I kissed her at the party. That terrible sense of imminent disaster. Well, I'm, I'm standing there looking, and my father's behind me. And all of a sudden, he says to me, sit down. Come on, sit down. Close the refrigerator door. You'll let all the cold out. That, by the way, is another thing that life is consistent of, leaving the cold out leaving light bulbs on that you shouldn't leave on in your house. Wearing, your, Have you ever had your mother say, don't drag your feet, you wear out your shoes? <laughs> and my mother used to say, "When well, you stop walking on the side of your feet? They always wear uneven. Look at that. Your heels are good on one side and they're worn on the other.
1: <laughs>
0: and even to this day I said, I wish I could learn to wear my heels so I could wear them out straight, you know, like other people. <laughs> Life consists of millions of little savings. Millions of little battles of attrition against evolution and the final downfall of all the things that you've saved. Busted how many of you have at three o'clock in the afternoon, or maybe eight in the morning on the way to school, have tied a shoelace, tied it up real careful, and then hidden it underneath here, see, there's a trick, you know. So nobody knows you've got a busted
1: shoelace.
0: You know those, those little things where you're cheating, See, so you've got no shoelace? How many times have you pulled your sock down to hide the hole in it? You pulled it down over your shoes, see, and then your sock is real crooked like that. You well, know? the other day, I am sitting with a vice president of a large ad agency, and he's got a $400 silk suit. He throws one leg up over the other, and I see a little knot, a little tiny knot getting in there, and I know this guy cheated. (laughs) This morning, he busted his shoelace. Well, the old man says, sit down. I turn. I sit down. I got my glass of milk. I got my chocolate-covered graham crackers. And who, in God's name, can ever get enough of chocolate graham crackers? Have you ever known anybody to have enough of those? I have gone on chocolate-covered graham cracker binges at the age of 10 that are sickening when I think. Just stuff them in. <laughs> I used to go on ginger snap jags that lasted for months. Well, as I turned and sat down, I sit like this. The old man's reading the paper. And without even looking up, he said, I know. So, what do you mean you know, Dad? He says, Anderson called. Mr. Anderson called and said that he saw you get hit on Kennedy
1: Avenue.
0: I said, Yeah? He says, "Don't worry, we'll get that guy." <laughs> he says, "We'll get him." Anderson got his license number. I said, "Dad."
1: <laughs>
0: Dad. Dad. You know, well, these these are the moments, you know, when you love your parents.
1: <laughs>
0: They've let you off the hook. <laughs> these are the rare moments (laughs) well came this Friday afternoon the afternoon of the PTA and the New York decorator he had come as a guest of the PTA and had stood up there in front of these ladies and told them how they could improve their lives how they could change their homes how they could put some unity in the design of that little hub on Cleveland Street. And they're all sitting there, Mrs. Bruner. Mrs. Bruner's husband, Ralph, had not worked for seven years. He's the only guy I knew who had stainless steel caps on his overalls on the knees for crawling home. And she's sitting there nodding. My mother is nodding. And he gave them the idea that they should cover all their furniture Cover it up with a beautiful seat cover of whatever material pleases the most. And my mother came home with that bug in her ear. We're gonna get seat covers. And she's walking around singing and humming. And I'm a kid, you know. And I can tell, you can tell your mother's happy. She's really going. And so you begin to go. You sneak out the one dirty joke, you know.
1: <laughs> Say hey, Ma.
0: She had the fun thing. She says, "Yeah, that's very funny." <laughs> Not a word. And the radio is playing Bing Crosby records. She is absolutely transcending herself tonight on the red cabbage. The red cabbage is smelling like the greatest perfume, and she's working on it. She's got the meatloaf going, and she's wearing her best house dress. Do you remember when they had things called house dresses? <laughs> And she's taken half of the curlers out of her hair. Yeah, it's a state occasion coming up, you know. She's walking around. The old man comes up the back porch. She stands. She says, I've got a surprise for you. He's surprised. He always figured that meant ketchup. She used to, call, she used to have a thing called Italian meatloaf. That meant she made meatloaf with ketchup on it and baked it. That was her big surprise, usually. And for years, the old man pretended he was surprised, you know.
1: He
0: said, gee, this is interesting meatloaf. This is very surprise. She said, that's not meatloaf. That's meatloafano fra giabano. Meatloaf fra diavolo. Or the devil's meatloaf. That just was Mattingly's ground chuck, you know. And so she says, I've got a surprise. The old man says, fine. He's figured, you know, it's a lady surprise. She's made a dessert out of ice cream, you know, little things with cookies in the refrigerator. He comes back out of the Johnny, washes his face, comes back out, sits down, and she pulls out of her pocket fifteen swatches of cloth. This had never been seen in our house before. Brings him out, just says, Look at this. My father says, What's that? She says, we're going to put on seat covers. He says, seat covers on what? She says, on the living room suit. We had a living room suit, you know. It was double-breasted. And she said, we're going to put it on the living room suit, and I'm going to put it on the day bed, and it's going to match. and, And let's pick what ones we want. And he's looking at these little flowers, little vines. There's a pink one with green stripes going across it. You know, one's got little seashells in silver. You know, and he's looking at these things. So what the hell is this? My mother says, "Well, we're going to pick the seat covers, and I can get the patterns from Sears, and we'll put seat covers on everything." Did you mean cover up the furniture? She says, no, not cover up the furniture. It's going to look beautiful. My old man thought it was beautiful. (laughs) You know, this house was fantastic compared to the one he had lived in as a kid. And he thought this was the best house in the neighborhood. She said, it's going to look beautiful. And they sat for 15 minutes and looked at swatches. And it began to build up. And all of a sudden, my father jumped up and he said this is ridiculous my mother started to cry and I'm sitting on one side of the table my kid brother is now under the day bed well they fought until 8 o'clock that night it started at 6 and by 9.30 they're not talking and I mean not talking. You know, there are ways we're not talking when my mother says, and I don't want to hear any more about it. Aah! Sits down in the front. My father walks out on the porch and says, shut up! <laughs> Bang! <laughs> my mother's in the kitchen. My father's on the porch spitting on the lawn.
1: <laughs>
0: and me and Randy are in between in the bedroom I'm hiding, you know. The creton seat covered disaster. It's coming down like a great fallout all around us, you see. And nobody in the house even knew what creton was. <laughs> we never had a seat cover in our life up to that point. My mother is in the kitchen crying over seat covers. My father is now kicking the swing. He's yelling about seat covers. And next door, the fight has broken out. Mrs. Bruner is having an out with Ralph Bruner about it, and I hear the word Cretan! Mrs. Bruner is crying, and for blocks around there were ladies in kitchens
1: crying.
0: and there were men out on the porch yelling and slamming doors. Ever since that time, I have had a vague suspicion of the PTA well these are the things of which true domestic honest to john tragedy are created like the time this was one of the worst things that ever happened in our house my father won a sales prize how many men in this crowd have ever won an award of any kind (laughs) they all say yeah in a pig's ear don't tell me that you won an award, yeah. I, I, I used to, you know, one of the things I remember as a GI, I remember guys going to the army stores along there and buying good conduct ribbons. <laughs> you imagine the sad guy buying a phony good conduct ribbon? Well, my father worked for a big dairy. And it was one of these kind of dairies, you know, where every week they have everybody's name on a blackboard, like a thermometer and they had oh boy I I get scared every time I see them thermometers you know have you filled your quota friends I ask you have you filled your quota that's what I thought I could just tell the way to yell that he hasn't filled a quota in his life of any kind Ah, see you're losing yet man it's two for me Two down, you've only got one to go, and it's out on 7th Avenue for you. <laughs> He's learning, see? No, loudness won't do it, son. <laughs> Not in this league. So they, they had this thermometer, see? And every six months, they had the big sales award. And they would have butter. They would have buttermilk. They would have sweet milk. And the old man every day would come home and they'd add a few little points to his sales chart. And you could see how each guy was doing. You'd have Zudok over here. Zudok was the big aggressive salesman. My father hated him. <laughs> old Amos Zudok used to grab people by the neck and say, You want butter? <laughs> they bought butter. He <laughs> that kind of salesman, you know. And, and here you go, you'd see Chris Boss. Chris Boss was the Babbitt at the dairy. Chris Boss was the backslapper, you know. If you can imagine a guy selling curd cottage cheese by backslapping, he'd say, Oh, Charlie, you're all son of a gun. Wow. And he's got a real big one. My father was the kind of guy who looked a little bit like Have you ever seen pictures of Harold Lloyd? taking a shower. Well, my father was the kind of guy who, when he took a shower, wore his shell-rimmed glasses underwater. I can remember him swimming. He's got his glasses and his straw hat on. That's the kind of father I had. So he had trouble selling. He had terrible trouble selling. Well, it so happened that one month, a gigantic German family moved in his in his territory. They had thirty-six big fat butter eating, curd cottage cheese eating, milk drinking, slobs for kids.
1: <laughs> the
0: old man had hit the mother load. He would deliver eight crates, you know, crates up there every month. He'd lay it down, they'd drink it up and eat it in the butter and all that. The old man is knocked out, and his sales chart goes up. Like a shot. I remember him talking about the family. He used to come home with a big smile. Seven quarts. Six pounds of butter. Three quarts of chocolate milk. Four pounds of cottage cheese. And something that they even didn't have a name for they bought. Came in a brown bottle. It was for people on rare diets who had rare kinds of scabbies. He sold them that. He was in his seventh heaven, you know. And that September, he won the sales award. What was the sales award? A 5 tube, night, gothic model, plastic case radio, beautiful radio, it was a religious type. You know, it had, it was gothic, you know, it had the little things up there, so when Bing Crosby came out of that radio, he was singing right out of the nave. <laughs> It was a religious little radio there, see? And, and he brought that thing home. He was in seventh heaven. He brought that thing home. He says, look what I've got. And we opened it up and everybody's standing there and they plugged it in. You know that excitement of plugging in something for the first time? Plugs it in, he turns it on, it lights up, and it plays, like beautiful. My mother says, we'll put it on top of the refrigerator. It'll be in the kitchen. And he says, yeah, we can have music when we eat. You know, dinner time music. They put it on the refrigerator. Two and a half hours later, my mother gets out of bed, goes in the dark kitchen, gets herself something out of the refrigerator, slams the door. There was a brief instant. Boom. Um-
1: this is W O R Radio. Oh,
0: your station for news.